A story they're writing today A wall that they're climbing You can carry the past on your shoulders You can start over Welcome to the broadcast of Calvary Chapel, Jacksonville Where the pastor is Pastor Ricky Rueda Grab your Bibles and read along Now here's Pastor Ricky Welcome. What we do once a month is we take time to hear the testimony of somebody in the congregation or the testimony of someone in the community so we can hear that God is still working today through the lives of those who abide closely with him. And so once um, our sister is done sharing her testimony, we're going to take time to take communion together um, And while I don't know every single detail of this particular testimony, I do know enough to know that this is not only a blessing, but it's going to be a challenge. And I'm sure I'll end up repeating some of this at the end, but I want us to consider our hearts before the Lord as we listen to this testimony tonight, because it's something I've found um, both in my own faith and working with others through theirs is The gospel is profound, but it's simplistic. And one of the things that's ultimately frustrating for the believer oftentimes is our call to be gracious and forgiving and loving in all circumstances. And we're going to hear a, a ton of that tonight. But scripture calls us to this task to love the way that Christ loves, for husbands to be willing to die for their Spouses, the way that Christ died for the church. We see the family ultimately called to be surrendered and submissive and loving to one another. And then we also see the church is called to forgive one another, even when they've been wronged. And we read these things, we say them out loud often, but often times when it comes to the application of these practices, we're not, we're not so quick to be in agreement with them. But if we're going to bear our cross and follow after Christ, it is something that we not only have to consider, but it's something that we must do. And so I just want to encourage you tonight, if there's anything, any bit of you that's harboring bitterness between you and another and you and a spouse or you and a friend or whoever it is that might be, I hope you would be encouraged by tonight's testimony and I hope that you would be even more encouraged by the faithful work of Christ who did these things perfectly for us on the cross. Amen. So if you would, let's stand and pray, and we'll go ahead and welcome Marion up here. Lord, we come before you tonight, Father, excited to hear, Lord, how the enemy was conquered, excited to hear how you're still the same God we read about in the Word. That, Father, your love is endless, that it's bottomless, Father. And that, Lord, as we would be faithful to find ourselves surrendered to you, we would find ourselves, Lord, completely washed and made well by your good grace. And so, Lord, I pray that you would incline our ears to hear. And not just physically hear these things, but actually contemplate them to process them, Father, and to actually, Lord, consider how we can apply them to our lives as well. 
so that, Lord, when it's time to take communion this evening, we would be able to come to the table in an earnest manner. Father, portraying the same forgiveness and love that you portrayed to us first. And we ask these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Would you welcome up Marion Plosica? Um, if you don't mind, I would like to say um, a, a quick prayer before I begin. Heavenly Father, just thank you for today. Lord, thank you that um, you are good and you are sovereign. God, thank you for your peace. And Father, I just, I pray that um, even though I've written everything out, Lord, I pray that your spirit would guide my words, Lord. I pray that only you would be glorified, Lord, that nothing of me. And I just thank you, Father. I thank you for this opportunity. And I just give you all the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, I did, I wrote everything out completely. <laughs> but I've been instructed that I shouldn't read it. So I'm going to go back and forth. Um, I did write everything out. And then I kind of went back and I did a little prologue um, for it. And simply stated is, this is my love story. A brief summary of the book of my life. Just as the Bible is made up of many books, my life, like yours, has many chapters. Some chapters are short and sweet. Some are long and difficult to understand. But each has meaning and purpose. It is our choice to embrace each one with anticipation or dread, to find the good and the bad, and to use what we've experienced to glorify him and to bless others. So I can honestly say that it's never been my desire to speak publicly. I have always been a behind-the-scenes person. I can support and push other people forward, and um, I'm very happy to do the legwork and do everything else that needs to be done so someone else can stand and um, be in the spotlight. Um, so when I was asked to give my testimony, um, I was hesitant. Um, but I am very honored to do so. And it wasn't until I began praying about it that I realized this is not about me. Um, it's all about him, how he chose someone like me to save from my sin and to offer a gift that I could never repay. When I look back over my life, it's then I see his handprint all over it. So I, um, I grew up in, a, in rural Kentucky. Um, I'm the youngest of eight. Um, but raised like an only child because um, my brothers and sisters are all older. My oldest brother is 20 years older than I am, so um, I, I was kind of, um, yeah, I was raised by myself more or less. And uh, my dad, he was a long-distance truck driver um, with only a third-grade education. My mom graduated from eighth grade um, preparing to give birth to her first child. My dad worked very hard, um, instilled a lot of 
very good um, work ethics in me, the importance of um, good credit, the importance of knowing um, that you have to work for something. It's not, people don't just give you things, or they shouldn't. Um, my mom, um, she was the homemaker. She never got her license, so my dad was gone most of the time, and she was home, so um, anything, most of the things that I, that I was able to do through school, um, I had to do, th um, I had to, to rely on friends or teachers or coaches um, to get me back and forth. Um, there wasn't a lot of affection displayed in my family between my parents. Um, it's kind of weird now when I look back and I think, um, how did they ever have kids? <laughs> um, but I always felt loved. There was, not, there was not a doubt that they loved me. So although they never attended church, I grew up in, in it. Um, I managed to do things as a kid, like I said, like cheerleading and playing basketball because of friends or coaches. Um, and God was always my provider and protector, and I, and I knew him. Um, but although I knew him, as I approached my teenage years with lack of supervision, the lure of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, to be cliche, because I was an, I was an 80s kid, um, it was consuming. I did attend church with my now husband and his mom on Sundays, and I felt this sin, the guilt of sin, but it didn't keep me from it. But God was still my provider. He still protected me. And for some strange reason, at 18, we got married. And I wasn't even pregnant, which is usually why people that young at my, um, why they did. I still don't remember why we rushed into it, um, because Jim had joined the Marine Corps and was training here um, and while I was still in Kentucky. But we got married at the Justice of the Peace on Court Street, which back in the day was a very bad part of town. Um, and we were married July 3rd, 1987. I had flown down for the weekend. We got married, and then I flew home. And then he graduated, and he went on to San Diego to see school. And um, so we were separated. Um, and we actually spent a total of only 30 days together in our first 18 months of marriage. Um, but I, I got pregnant the, the last weekend before he deployed, and so when we moved in together, I was, I was six months pregnant. And um, I wasn't walking with God. I still knew him, and he was still there, but he wasn't my focus, and I wasn't attending church. Um, but he never left me. When you're in the middle of things, you don't always see them as they are. So I was naive in many ways about a lot of things. But that's not my story to tell. We had our second child two and a half years later. And I felt our family was complete. We had a boy and a girl, perfect family. Um, 
But because of what I felt I missed out as a child, I wanted to make sure that my kids never felt that way. But first, we had to deal with infidelity and almost divorcing in our marriage. God was there. It was his grace that allowed us to forgive and start fresh again. And I was able to focus on being a mom. So I was the room mom. I was the team mom. I was the coach. Everything that I thought my kids needed. We were the Kool-Aid house. All the kids hung out. I had a great and perfect marriage. I was so confident that the only way I could describe our relationship was that my husband was the air that I breathed. He was my provider and protector. I made him my idol. I started to go to church now and then with my daughter because um, Jim and my son raced motocross, so they were gone every weekend, so it was she and I. Um, my relationship with Christ was from a distance, for my part anyway, um, but he never left me. Our kids grew up and moved out, and it was just the two of us for the first time. I wasn't sure how that was going to work out because we had spent our lives through our children, not really having our own relationship, but God was there. It turns out we have common interests, and our tastes were similar, and we worked well together, which was great because otherwise it might not have turned out so well. We bought a house that had property. Um, we've created gardens, cleaned out woods, and started farming. It was during that time that um, I started working for a company that had sponsored um, my son while he was racing motocross. I stepped out of church again, um, but God was still working on my heart through the man that had hired me and trusted me to run his company. He was angry at God and tried to convince me that he didn't exist. His pain from growing up in a very devout Catholic church was deep. But he became part of our family. Before his tragic death from suicide, God... God prepared me mentally, physically, and spiritually for the most difficult time of my life. Taking ownership of this company has brought me so many wonderful experiences, but it's also shown me how pride and self-reliance can ruin what God meant for good. Owning this business is hard most days. I question God regularly why I'm here and what I'm doing. But then I'll look back, and I see how he has been so gracious and kind to me and my family. The people that he's brought into my life, the blessings, the opportunities it's provided for my children. It was, it's also because of this company that I'm here in this church. 
the longing that he placed in my heart for more of him caused me to search for a church again. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. After coming up disappointed again and again, I finally told God that if he wanted me in the church, he'd have to bring it to me. <laughs> well, one afternoon, while at work, the former pastor of Calvary Chapel walked into the store. And I already knew him because at least four boys from this church had worked for me, including two of his sons. So I was able to ask him my questions about suicide and about just my longing for Christ in a theological sense. He invited me to Wednesday night service just to check it out. Well, I showed up a couple Sundays later, and I was greeted with the warmest welcome from one of the boys, who was now a man that had worked for me. I knew I was where I belonged. And the other amazing thing that happened was my husband, who hadn't been to church with me except for occasional Easter services, started coming with me. Is faithful and he's so good. He doesn't disappoint and he gives us so much more than we can imagine. We also were blessed to have the same pastor come to our home and to renew our wedding vows on our 30, 30th anniversary with our children and our grandchildren present. It was the wedding that I never had. And I wish I could say that we lived happily ever after, but I can't. We live in a broken world. We are broken and sinful people. It was after a couple's testimony here on a Wednesday night that I found out there were things in my marriage that I didn't know was there. The initial confession was met with instant compassion and forgiveness. Because, see, God had prepared me with knowledge and understanding through a ministry that we um, went through here. The next confession was gut-wrenching and painful because it was in my personal space. God met me in my pain, and he met me in my confusion. And he reminded me of what I had been forgiven and how I could not not forgive. And it's been through his grace and his mercy that allowed me to truly forgive and have complete peace. It's still something I can't, compl- I can't explain to. 
um, the intimacy of just praying together as a couple is something that I never, I never could imagine. Um, the personal, when you allow someone to pray and to um, experience your um, longings, your pain, and, and to come together as one. And when you create that cord of three, it's um, something I had never experienced before. And at that point, it was 34 years of marriage. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and don't, do not be afraid. It's John 14, 27. And to give them beauty from ashes, the oil of joy from mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, Isaiah 61, 3. Beauty from ashes, that's the picture that I have about my life. I'm a very visual person, so as I look back and I see and I talk about things, I see them. Um, and and so the beauty from ashes is is just um, is just how God's allowed me to see my life and and the things that have happened. And even though they've been hard and they've been very hurtful, I, I look and, and I'm able to see the beauty um, because of the love that he's, he's given me, a love for people that I never had before. Um, I, never, I never really worked with women. I've always been um, kind of standoffish. Um, and I have such a love when I look at the, the young women and the wives and, and people in general here now that I, I just, that was never me before. And I know that's the beauty from the ashes that, um, that he's that he's brought from in, into my life. Um, now I don't say that my marriage has been restored. My marriage has been made new. Just as Jim and I have been made new creations through Christ, I no longer consider Jim as my idol. He's my partner. In this life, I love, honor, and respect him with a heart made new. Only my creator and the lover of my soul could cause this transformation in me. I know God is not done with me yet, and I know my story is still being written. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. It's Lamentations 3.22. Those are the words that I wrote. Um, my heart is overflowing just knowing that I was given this opportunity to speak. 
God has been so faithful in every aspect of my life. And I know um, there's been so many things that have happened in the last couple of years that I know um, Ricky and Kara have no idea how, um, how much God is using them in this church and in this community. Whenever um, Pastor Greg was retiring and we were looking for um, a new pastor, and Ricky showed up to fill in, and Jim and I both knew immediately. I know he didn't know, but we knew. And in all the things that have happened over the last couple of years, and all the, um, just the people, the things, the stories that are being written and have been written, it, it's amazing to me to be able to stand back and, and, and still see how God is writing the stories of all of our lives and how they're so intertwined. And, and I just, it's my prayer that as busy as life is and as easy as it's to get distracted and caught up in all the things that we think are so important, I just pray that we would take time to realize the simple truth, the simple things that means so much and that speaks so loud. And I pray that we would just take the time as a church body, um, not only in our, in, in within our body, but within our community, to take the time and, and truly look at people and love people for who they are and not what they, we think they should be. God is good, and God is faithful. And even when we don't know, he does. And we just have to trust him, trust him with it all. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving me an ear. Um, and I just thank you for um, just being here tonight. So before we take communion, it's funny she talks about how other people's um, service has been impactful to others. Mar Jim and Marion have blessed so many people here in this church um, in ways that most people won't—they won't ever see. Have no idea um, how much time she and her husband put in behind the scenes, and it's—it's it's an amazing blessing. And I know some of the younger women here at the church have been blessed by the stillness and wisdom in her voice um, and graciousness that she has. And so um, before we take communion, just a couple of things I wanted us to read together. Why don't you flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Just going to read a couple sections before we take communion. Ephesians 4.1, if you're there, would you say amen? I'll give everyone one more second. Ephesians 4.1. If you're there, would you say amen? 
says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, and just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led hosts of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And so in Ephesians we see the call as we are also prisoners in Christ to bear with one another in love and strive for unity. And then in James chapter 3, I'm just going to read for a minute. James 3.13 is where I'll start. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in by peace by those who make peace. And what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war or within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And I want us to read those sections of scripture before we take communion tonight and consider. When we come to the table, the Lord gives us a warning to come to the table with a forgiving heart. He calls us to come to the table if we are to come in earnesty and forgiveness, to not bring 
our sin and a antichrist spirit to the table. It's easy to read these sections of scripture and assume that somebody else in the room is behaving like the world. But we can be very quick to, guys, I got a little bit of an echo up here that sounds a little crazy. Um, We can be very quick to try to use our Bible like a legal document to try to figure out how to withhold grace from someone because they don't deserve it. We can be very quick to try to find the fine print within this thing to try to reason why somebody doesn't deserve our forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love. And do you know what the simple truth is? Is they don't deserve it. They don't. They don't deserve yours. They don't deserve the Lord's. But the more serious truth is that you don't deserve it either. You were given the free gift of salvation despite you. The Lord had every reason to despise us the way that we contend to despise one another, but out of love, he chose to send his one and only begotten son to accomplish what we couldn't. The man who knew no sin bore sin for us on the cross so that we would be set free. And when we come to this table, harboring the bitterness and unforgiveness that we have been called to display and utilize, we make his sacrifice a mockery. And Paul warns us, don't come to the table this way. If you have bitterness and unforgiveness towards a brother or an unresolved issue, you need to hash it out before you come here. Because it is only forgiveness that resides at this table as forgiveness has been given to us. Amen? And so while I would love for all of us to be able to come to the table in a worthy manner, I would give you the caution. As we've heard this testimony tonight of a husband and wife who, for different reasons, didn't need to love one another for different reasons, didn't need to forgive one another. And the world standards, they don't need to be together, but out of love and out of the forgiveness that Christ showed them first, they strive together. Not out of obligation to one another, but out of obligation to the love that Christ bestowed to them first. And so if there's bitterness in your home, And there is anger and unforgiveness within your home. I implore you as a Christian. I encourage you as a brother and I beg you as a father to make your home right before you come to the table. If there is bitterness in your workplace, I encourage you to do the same. If there is strife here among the brothers and sisters of the faith, to take this time while we play some worship to forgive one another that we could embrace this fullness of joy that scripture tells us we can have as we abide with Christ. Remember scripture tells us that if if we can't say that we love the Lord and hate our brother, if we hate our brother and say we love the Lord, we are liars. 
This isn't me. If you don't like what I'm saying, I'm sorry. This is what the word says. But I would be an unfaithful friend to not tell you that it's okay to come to this table and pretend that your bitterness is welcome here. Forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Love one another with abundant love as the Lord has loved you. Have grace. Be peaceable. And strive for unity. Amen? So, um, Alyssa, would you be able to play something on the piano for us? I want you guys to take a minute as Alyssa's playing. I'm going to pray and take the, um, the lids off the elements and once everybody who it seems is going to take communion has received their elements, we'll take communion together. And Lord, we come before you now. Father, having heard this testimony of abundant faithfulness from you, having heard this testimony of your unending love, of your relentless pursuit of us, Father, asking that you would reveal to us anything that we need to relinquish, Lord. That if there's anything unchristlike amongst us, that we pray you would purge it and remove it. That, Lord, we would desire you more than we would desire to be right. That we would desire grace and mercy than a win. That, Lord, we wouldn't use your standard of righteousness as a way to find a loophole out of our relationships, but, Lord, we'd look at this good news, this gospel, and use it as a way to strive for reconciliation and hope in all things. So, Father, we surrender ourselves to you now and ask that you be with us in your name. Amen. If you guys would, flip with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as we take communion together. As Paul <clears throat> delivers these words revealed to him by Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together. Then in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the drink together. And Father, we do just that, Lord. Father, we are eternally grateful for this gift of salvation that you have given us. Then, Lord, as we take this moment to remember your sacrifice, Father, we ask that you would fill us with an excitement. Lord, as it says here in Corinthians, Lord, to proclaim the good news 
Father, of your coming. That, Lord, we wouldn't be inclined to hesitate or even hiccup, but, Father, we might even be told to slow down as we would be so excited to share your gospel and to share the good news. That, Lord, we would be excited to share of the good work that you're doing in our lives and in the lives of others. That, Lord, we know that according to your word, you've provided us a testimony that is irrefutable. That, Father, while the world might argue science, Lord, they can't argue a changed life. A life that's been changed, Father, according to your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we ask that you would bless our travels home. That, Lord, if you would have it, Lord, we ask that you would reunite us again on Sunday. So, Lord, we could worship and celebrate together. And we ask this in your name. Amen. You all have a blessed evening.